Welcome everyone. Today's session is being interpreted into Spanish. Sam and Andrea, will you please introduce yourself and let our viewers know how to enable translation on their devices? Yes, thank you for having us. Thank you for having us once again. My name is Sam Guzman with the CLC and along with my colleague Andrea, we will be um, interpreting today's meeting into Spanish. I'll now give the instructions in Spanish. Buenas tardes a todos. Mi nombre es Samuel Guzmán con la CLC. Y juntamente con mi colega Andrea estaremos interpretando la reunión de hoy al español. Si desea escuchar la reunión en español, simplemente vaya al icono de Globo en su pantalla que dice Interpretación y de ahí seleccione uh, su idioma preferido, en este caso inglés y español, y así podrá escuchar en español. Muchas gracias. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Sam. Welcome to the general public comment session of January 29th. Before reconvening, our regular meeting council provides a half-hour general comment session to hear from the public on city matters, except for one scheduled for a legally required public hearing. To maximize time for resident comment, council will not offer comments or responses from the dais. Council or staff may contact speakers following their comment if they raise matters that lend themselves to follow-up. For those participating in person when called upon, please come to the podium. On the monitor on the wall, you'll see your time counting down. For those participating virtually when called upon, please wait until our host promotes you to speaker. When you're promoted, Please accept this promotion. Turn on your camera if you have one and your microphone. All speakers should begin their remarks by telling council your name and you'll have three minutes to speak. Please refrain from profane or obscene speech. Direct your comments to council as a whole and refrain from individual or personal attacks, including disparaging other speakers' motives. We will begin with Ed Geitel. Ed in Chambers, do we have an Ed online? Nope. Oh, there we go. Sir, come on up. Sorry, I didn't see you. Good evening and thank you. My name is Ed Geetle and I've lived in Denver for 44 years while being married and raising two sons, both in their 30s, who also live in Denver along with their wives. Moreover, prior to retirement, I worked for the city and county of Denver for a total of 15 years. First off, I want you to know that I am not anti-immigrant. Both of my grandparents came to America from Ireland in 1910. What I am against. I apologize, however, Madam President. I, I can I can barely hear the speaker. I'm not sure if there's you can just something. project your voice I, a little bit I, louder. Oh, that would good. be great. It it'll pick up. Yep. Okay. Um, what I am against, however, is the absurd notion that we can open our borders to anyone from anywhere in the world and to allow them in with little to no vetting, then provide them with subsidized food, shelter, education, medical care, and lest we forget cell phones. How this relates to Denver is that we are now overwhelmed with new people putting an enormous strain on our resources and infrastructure. I recently read that the mayor will be requiring a 15% budget reduction for certain departments, which will result in Denver residents receiving less in certain services, while at the same time providing subsidized services to the migrants as previously noted. While employed by Denver, I was required at times to cut my budget three to 5%, which was exceedingly difficult. And of course it affected the services that we provided as it always does. So the Denver taxpayers will now have their services negatively affected as may be evidenced in their parks, libraries, public safety, roads, and Denver health, while at the same time having to continue to support migrants using those services who are not taxed accordingly. So I realize that there are no simple solutions, 
but rewarding bad behavior, or in this case, accommodating bad policy forced upon us by both parties of the federal government will never work. And yet we, the Denver taxpayers, are penalized by having $180 million going to migrant aid and not to us. Again, there are no easy solutions, and I am sincere when I say that I am truly sorry the well was not necessarily your doing. You and other mayors and city councils throughout the nation now have to deal with the damage. Designating Denver as a sanctuary city has now caused the melting pot to boil over. Yet perhaps a simple but potentially controversial solution might be to eliminate all subsidized services by the city and the NGOs to all military-aged men, but continue those for women and children. Historically, American legal immigrants were always required to make it on their own, and if they could not, then they had to return to their home countries at their own expense. With all due respect, perhaps you should consider this as a viable course of action to put Denver back together again. Thank you very much, Thank Mr. Tuck. Our next speaker, is, send up in chambers, Brandon Radiner. Anybody online? Nope, okay. Our next speaker is Aaron Hazari. Thank you for the opportunity. My name is Aaron Hazari. I am here as a Jew and representing American Jewish Committee. I understand what impelled members of this council to introduce a ceasefire resolution. To witness the pain of others like the rape, murder, torture, and kidnapping of Israelis on October 7th, and the death and suffering of the people in Gaza as Hamas uses their hospitals, their homes, and their families as human shields, and we would do anything to help them. It is what makes us human. But I believe that this resolution proposed by members of this council will not make a positive impact. In substance and in purpose, this resolution and others like it could have deleterious effects for Israelis, Palestinians, and for public discourse in our own country. First and foremost, you are a body that can have a very real impact on the community here in Denver. There has been an unprecedented rise in anti-Semitic Islamophobic incidences in Colorado since October 7th. What can you do to keep communities safer, build bridges, galvanize community partners to stand up for us while you are debating US foreign policy? In this room, there are differences of opinions on the war in Gaza. But I would hope that we all agree that Muslims and Jews in Denver should not be targeted because of the war, a war on the other side of the world. They should feel safe, and they do not. But in terms of substance, this resolution also fails. It fails to address what all of us know to be true, that any ceasefire that is not contingent upon the dismantling of Hamas will be broken. They have explicitly stated so over and over. On the morning of October 7, 2003, a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas was already in effect Hamas broke that ceasefire, as it has many times in the past, in 2008, 12, 2014, and 2021, with tragic results for Israelis and Palestinians. Just recently, Hamas turned down the two-month humanitarian pause uh, in an effort to, by Israel to release hostages. They do not care about peace. They do not care about Palestinians. They care about retaining power, and they want to murder Jews. The content of this resolution means that we will meet here again asking again what we can do. When more Israelis have been murdered indiscriminately for being Jewish, and Israel has again been drawn into retaliating against Hamas as they embed themselves in civilian population centers, 
using human beings as shields. A ceasefire will not, the ceasefire which is not contingent upon Hamas's removal from power would reward and incentivize these war crimes in the future, not just by Hamas, but by other bad actors throughout the region. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Our next speaker uh, in chambers is Didi DePearson. Hi good, afternoon. <clears throat> Hi, good afternoon, Council Members. Didi DePearson with the Colorado Village Collaborative. Um, I anticipated the hearing on 1960 to take a little bit longer, um, but I do have a few thoughts I want to add post-vote. I sent everybody an email a couple of weeks ago about some of our thoughts and experiences dealing with unsheltered people experiencing homelessness. Um, during the last Arctic freeze, CDC, as we always do, provided an option for people living specifically in the tents and our safe outdoor spaces to move inside temporarily um, when it's that cold. Of the roughly 120 people in the tents at our safe outdoor spaces, only six opted to move inside for those really cold four or five days. They didn't want to leave their place, they didn't want to leave their belongings, they didn't want to leave their community. Um, and while it's not a perfect analogy, um, I just wanted to highlight the fact that, that place and people and belongings matter a lot to people. Um, I also want to comment on the 95% success rate that had with the uh, House 1000 initiative. Part of that success is predicated in part on both the type of shelter and the shelter policies. Individualized shelter, again, that take partners, that take pets, that are open 24 seven, that um, practice harm reduction, right? There are concrete and valid reasons why people living on the streets have not moved into shelter. And to think about um, traumatic displacement of our unhoused neighbors at below 32 saying, well, there are shelter options without actually addressing the barriers to those shelters that we know exist. Um, isn't really feasible, doesn't really make sense. If people weren't gonna go before, they're not gonna go when it's 32 degrees or below. Um, so that's all I had to say, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, a speaker we previously called is now here. We will call him up, Brandon Radner. Sorry, I was waiting in the hall, my apologies. So hello, my name is Brandon Ratner. I'm a resident of District 7 and great to speak with you all today. I'm here to speak about the consideration of the ceasefire resolution that was already mentioned in one of the previous comments. I just want to introduce myself and say that I've been working for peace in this region most of my adult life. I've been an advocate for the two-state solution. I've been advocating for nonviolence for years. And personally speaking, I am not a big fan of Bibi Netanyahu or his politics or what has been going on in Israel for the last few years. I know many folks are going to come up here and say that it's not necessarily the purview of city council to weigh in on global affairs half a world away. And I don't necessarily disagree with them, but I don't really want to come here to talk about jurisdiction. What I want to talk about today is the real effects of a resolution like this in the community for people that are supporting peace and people that care about all sides of this issue and all people that are affected. A resolution like this alienates members of the Denver Jewish community who have spent most of their lives in liberal and progressive organizations trying to further peace here and abroad. It creates an increasing polarization around Israel and making it a partisan issue, whether or not this motion is bipartisan or nonpartisan. Uh, it cements the characterization that only Republicans support Israel and only Democrats support Palestine and therefore erodes any meaningful conversation that can be had about this issue. And most importantly, it cements a misunderstanding of the issues. I can't stress this enough. 
overlaying American politics and American sensibilities on this conflict in this region of the world only serves those who are looking to destroy the other side, irrespective of who those people are or what the other side is. It is not true that this conflict resembles the conflicts that we have here in the United States or that it resembles the sort of politics that we have and anybody that pushes that kind of simplistic narrative is doing so in bad faith in a way that is not going to actually bring peace about in this region. And that's not even to mention the real issues with this resolution, like for instance, how it suggests that Israel lacks due process for Palestinian citizens that have been in the state. So I just wanna end by saying this, that sadly this conflict presents nothing but bad choices. Um, and as I think about my own activism in the community on this issue, my sort of guiding principle is, is what I'm doing going to make peace more or less likely? Is it going to have a material effect on the ground and make the situation better? And I would say here that passing a divisive resolution with limited efficacy on an issue a little bit out of bounds of what you normally cover, despite community opposition and despite the complexity on the ground is not going to make peace more likely. It's only going to create hurt and more division. And I would ask you to please not consider it. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker in chambers, Seth Levy. Seth, is he online? Okay. Our next speaker is Dan Lesham. And I believe he signed up on Zoom. There we go. Dan, go ahead. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I hope you can see and hear me. Oh, there I am. Um, my name is Dr. Dan Lesham, and I live here in Denver in District Council District 5. I'm here tonight to address you as a constituent, a member of the Jewish community, and the director of the Colorado Jewish Community Relations Council, an organization that represents 40 of the largest Jewish organizations across the state, many of them located here in Denver. I want to speak to you tonight about the Israel-Hamas war and the ceasefire proposal you are considering, and to urge you not to wade into this complex <clears throat> and potentially divisive area. The JCRC believes that our city council should focus on key issues under its control, such as housing, affordability, the migrants issue as we've heard tonight, and overall improving the quality of life here in Denver. In other communities across the country where these kinds of resolutions have been considered, we've seen these hearings turn into open forums for the dissemination of anti-Semitism, hints of which we even saw in these chambers before the JNF conference in late November. This all comes at a time when Jews in Denver and across the United States are confronting an unprecedented level of anti-Semitic attacks. A staggering 300 plus percent increase in anti-Semitism in the U.S. at writ large over the last five months, according to the Anti-Defamation League. The JCRC believes that this proclamation is misdirected and has the potential to alienate large swaths of the 90,000 Jews who call Metro Denver home. These Jewish community members follow the news out of Israel very closely, as the previous speaker mentioned, and I believe they know a great deal more about what's happening than the average Denverite. And they understand that this is a very complicated and largely intractable conflict that has frustrated many presidents and secretaries of state who came in thinking there were simple solutions and chanting simplistic slogans, thinking that that would lead to peace. The call for ceasefire 
at this moment is made all the more preposterous by the fact that just today we are receiving reports that Hamas rejected the latest ceasefire initiative proposed by Israel, the United States, and Qatar, and it is not the first one that has been rejected. I want to share with you that my own family members from Israel came to Denver for a month and stayed with us as they were seeking to get their son out of the daily air raid sirens, warnings, and the rain of shrapnel that was falling around them in Tel Aviv, where my little nephew's preschool was sending photos of all the preschool kids huddled in the bomb shelters during the raids. And I know that they are the lucky ones, that they were able to come here, and there are many people who wish that they could have that type of freedom and option. But this problem is deeper and more complex than we can appreciate and resolve with proclamations. Thank you very much for your time. Um, that is your time. Um, our next speaker is Menahem Lairfield. I believe they signed up on Zoom, but they're not there. Are they in chambers? Okay. Our next speaker is Vi White. Good evening. I have some pictures. I didn't print enough for everyone, but I was wondering if I can give it to Council Member Cashman. Yep. You can leave it with Shannon over there um, after your comments. After? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and do it after. Good evening. My name is V White, and I live in the Corey Merrill neighborhood of Denver. And uh, I'm a single mom in a middle-income house in the in uh, the famously flipped neighborhoods over there with the 13-year-old son here. And uh, I wanted to address the accountability of our, um, of the construction companies and developers that come into our neighborhoods, buy up all these little houses, and then, and then turn them over into multi-million dollar homes. Um, I've recently had an experience with a construction company named PBG Construction. Um, it's Progressive Building Group Construction who um, has caused major damage to my home. And I want to uh, uh, give you a small synopsis of what I, I went through. Um, it's my understanding they purchased this, the property adjacent to mine uh, in 2021. Took them a while to um, excavate. And when they finally did, um, they took out my sprinkler system in my yard uh, through with their uh, excavation machines took down a border fence between our homes um, and put theirs up. Um, the border fence was something I shared with the neighbor. They never asked for permission, just took it, put theirs up, and uh, theirs fell into mine. I contacted them, talked to them. They ignored me. I put up another, like a garden fence, just to keep them from trespassing because my child's room is right next to them. So I put up a fence to keep them off. They completely destroyed the... Uh, the second fence, and in doing so, um, have also trespassed on my property, scratched my entire north wall um, with scaffolding and brick and mortar. They use black mortar on an entirely black uh, brick wall that uh, borders mine, and so there's black soot all over. Um, they have changed the gradient, uh, uh, parked their dumpster because they have to pave. It's on the street. They parked it on my property, I actually have pictures for you, and that took out my sprinkler system and irrigation system. Um, their dumpster filled with trash. It uh, flows into my neighborhood, and 
Um, this isn't the worst of it. I, my son and I, in the middle of the summer, were sprayed with muriatic acid. I only found out because I saw the, the container that said danger corrosive. We've experienced issues from that. We have no recourse but to go to an attorney to get to pay for this stuff. And there's a cost to our neighborhood, to our wellness, that um, I just don't know how to address at this point because thank you very my much. time, my money. Thank That's you. your time. I appreciate you bringing thank that you. forward. I'm sure somebody will be reaching out to you. Um, our next speaker is, let's see, last name Grossman, first name Alex, maybe? Okay. My name is Alex Grossman. So you were considering a proclamation calling for a ceasefire in the Israeli-Hamas war. A war started when the officially recognized terrorist organization, Hamas, embarked on an invasion of Israel that entailed the slaughter and raping of women and children, the ripping of babies from their mother's wombs, decapitating babies, children, and innocent civilians, and horrifically taking hundreds more hostage to ply their barbaric tortures and abuses that continue to this day. And you, the city council for the city and county of Denver, have the audacity to proclaim how a sovereign state of this world, thousands of miles away, should defend itself from such an attack on its own soil. This terrorist organization has repeatedly stated that they intend to repeat the horrors of October 7th until the destruction of Israel is complete and every last Jew in the world is dead. It's clearly articulated in their charter. To ignorantly call for a ceasefire is tantamount to approving of Hamas's stated goals and only seeks to divide and sow hatred. A ceasefire only benefits Hamas, allowing them to rearm and reorganize. That said, this body wants to waste time money and resources proclaiming their personal geopolitical views, no matter how bigoted and anti-Semitic they may be. Who the heck do you think you are? How megalomaniacal do you have to be to insert yourselves in the conversation, to think you have a seat at the table or a voice to be listened to? You don't, no one cares. You're elected to perform and administrate the city business of Denver. You have a housing and financial crisis bursting through the door, and you want to waste time and money on useless proclamations that will have absolutely no impact on the war in Israel, nor should it, and no one has asked for it. You'll probably move forward with this nonsense, bowing to your own bigotry or pandering to the loudest and most obnoxious disruptors in the room, or because as usual, it's the path of least resistance and you are all, well, you know. But if you do make such a proclamation on behalf of the constituents of Denver, you will do so with my dissent being loud and clear. Do your job, council. Shame on you. Shame on all of you. Thank you very much. Our next speaker in chambers is Matt Most. 
Members of the Denver City Council, thank you so much for allowing me to address you. My name is Matt Most. I live in Denver Council District 5, and I am the chair of the Jewish Community Relations Council, a body that represents over 30 organizations in the Jewish community, such as schools, synagogues, relief organizations, civil rights agencies, and elder care facilities. I'm here tonight to address you as a constituent, as a member of the Jewish community, specifically on the Israel-Hamas war and the proposal you're considering. I visited Israel last week, returning on Friday, and I met with victims of the Hamas massacres, heroes who rescued the defenseless, soldiers who patrolled the border, reservists who volunteered to fight long after their fighting age, and civilians who are helping the 250,000 Israeli evacuees in desperate need of aid. We helped pick the agricultural fields left without guest workers, witnessed the devastation left behind by Hamas, and listened to the stories of hostages as their families begged us not to forget their loved ones suffering in Gaza. I came away from this experience with a realization that the issues of Israel, the Gaza conflict, are dauntingly complex. There are no easy answers. Israelis are left with a series of impossible choices to achieve security. They face a terrorist organization that is unambiguous about its intention to eliminate Israel and all of its citizens from the river to the sea. That same organization hides in schools, hospitals, and under the very earth where civilians live. On October 7, Israelis came face to face with that evil, and it is indeed terrifying. My ask is of you is to humbly recognize this complexity. No one wants war, we all want peace. That being said, asking Israel to not eliminate the Hamas threat is asking the very people I met with to live in fear. Asking them to live not knowing when the terrorists will come through the wall again. And this is not a risk that we would accept. For that reason, I ask the council to not engage in a resolution that purports that we here, thousands of miles away, in the safety of our country, not at war, can sit in judgment of those who live in the shadow of rockets day to day. Our city council must focus on improving the quality of life in Denver and not international relations. And ceasefire resolutions, unfortunately, do not solve the problems in the Middle East, but they do stoke anti-Semitism. So I'm here to tell you I appreciate your service. I applaud your service to the city of Denver, but I plead with you to avoid entering this highly complicated and contentious debate. Thank you for considering the physical, emotional safety of your Jewish constituents. Thank you. Thank you very much. Our next speaker joins us on Zoom, Melissa Wittenberg. Hi, thank you. I'm Melissa Wittenberg. I live in District 5. I'm speaking today because I'm shocked that city council might step outside its purview into global politics where it clearly has no business. And I'm surprised that it would do so in the form of a proclamation, which is typically joyful and celebratory and meant to unify Denverites, not tear us apart. And I'm sad because you're doing all of this uncharacteristic and strange behavior, not to support peace on both sides of a tragic war, but to condemn Israel. We all know Netanyahu is not waiting and wondering what the Denver City Council thinks of his plans. This is a message for and to Denver residents. 
especially, especially the almost 100,000 Jews who live here. We notice you did not call for the terror organization responsible to step down. We notice you did not really condemn the brutality of the murder, rape, torture, and burning of 1,200 of us, including babies and children. No, you condemn the response to an act of war, the most horrific attack on Jews since the Holocaust, Jews retaliating, defending ourselves. That offends you so much, you must step outside your purview and take a stand. Well, we hear you loud and clear. Hamas has vowed to repeat October 7th over and over again. For those of you planning on voting in favor, you are telling your Jewish constituents you are okay with us laying down to die. Every gener generation of Jews has faced this, that people are okay with us dying. And now this is a dog whistle to those who want to harm us here, that you're okay with it. Please don't let that happen here. For those who are planning on voting no, thank you for showing us that we matter and thank you for protecting us. Thank you very much. Our next speaker uh, signed up in person, uh, Lynn Mason. Hello, my name is Lynn Garamoni Mason, and I live in the Bonnie Bray neighborhood. And I'm here to uh, talk about the changes and the construction in my neighborhood, actually the destruction of middle-class housing and giant big houses that are three times the cost in, in, um, in place of the, our smaller houses. And the difficulty that we face, I know housing is the, is the biggest problem in Denver, and I just wanna bring a few issues to you that I think might be helpful in maintaining some of our uh, middle-class neighborhoods. And first of all, I, I urge you to take a look at some of the rules that allow developers or, or construction companies to put giant trucks on your front yard to run them all day long while they're excavating, to uh, build that really big house next door to you that um, is 10 feet from your property where we used to have driveways in between. I'd just like to have the city council relook at some of those rules and um, see if, if there's a reason that developers really have all the rights and those of us that live in those neighborhoods and those zones really have no recourse. And so I urge you to take a look at those and see if we can improve some things. Also, I just wonder if there's a, a system for loans for some of these younger families that the city could back to, re, to update those smaller houses so that we don't have to turn everything into, like the city into just a big upper class neighborhood. Thank you very much. Thank you. We have time for one more speaker. Uh, Natasha Barshalom, are you in chambers? Okay, they are not on line. John Hayden, I believe we have you on Zoom. Yes, I'm, I'm here, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Oh, good, thank you. Uh, members of council, thank you for 
the opportunity to speak with uh, to, with you today. Um, I uh, was here to speak um, to urge you to vote against the uh, resolution um, that would hamper uh, allowing the mayor to continue to keep our streets clear of tent encampments. Um, I know that you already voted on that and I, I trust, I hope that our mayor will veto what you have passed. Um, but I want those of you who voted on it and, and, and approved it uh, to be conscious of the fact that what you're undoing is the best situation that the city has had for the homeless in many years. Uh, I live in the Five Points neighborhood and have uh, been in the encampments for many years working with the homeless and working with the neighbors who live around the homeless. Um, and if you think that those encampments were in any way humane for the people who, who, who were in them, you're, you're deeply mistaken. I've watched so many people die prematurely because of the tent encampments that they were, that they were left in. And over the last month, what we have seen for the first time is that those people have been getting services, that they have been inside and not living in tents, but inside places where they can get help that they desperately need, addiction services, job training services, warmth, an actual humane setting. And if, if the mayor does not veto what you have, have passed today, what will happen is you will see those people go back to the streets in greater numbers and die. And you need to be conscious of that, that that is what will happen. Had the mayor not been able to do what he's been doing for the last month um, because the weather was cold, we would have seen far more people die on our streets than we, than we would have seen um, uh, perish because of cold. And so I, I hope that you will reconsider uh, um, your position and I invite you to come and actually walk the streets with our community and see what it actually is like to live uh, in, in, in these neighborhoods with and without the encampments. So thank you. I hope you have a wonderful evening. Thank you. Uh, that concludes our general public comment session. If we didn't get to you today, please join us next week and or submit your comments in writing. Um, the next session will be uh, Monday, February 5th. Sign up begins at 11 a.m. on Friday, February 2nd. We look forward to hear, hearing from everyone again. Thank you for attending and stay with us for the Denver City Council meeting, which starts immediately.